4: Entertaining, knowledgeable. All right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Live and local, it's time for the Fan Morning Show with Bart Winkler.
0: 1250 a.m. the fan. It is the Bart Winkler morning show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Tim Shea. We are live from the Lakeland University Studios. Earn co-op credit for work experience at Lakelands.edu. Leroy Butler heads into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, make sure you check out the Road to Canton show. Leroy Butler's officially received his gold jacket, not the green one, like I said earlier. His gold jacket. Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2022 is going to be enshrined tomorrow. Wendy's Big Show is going to be broadcasting from Canton today with Gary Ellerson and Bart Winkler. Also, make sure you tune into the Road to Canton show Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. here on 1250 a.m. The Fan or on the free Odyssey app. Bart Winkler is going to go through Leroy's career and a story forever being immortalized in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Road to Canton this Friday and Saturday on 1250 AM, The Fan, brought to you by Pick and Save, Kern Electric, and Schneider National. So we're going to have to call a little bit of an audible here. So instead of talking with Ryan Horvath to kick off the 9 o'clock hour, fortunately things aren't working out for us to get with Horvath right now, so we're going to talk with Eric Edholm. Bart talked with him from CBS Sports Radio. Uh, What, what day was that? Last Friday? It was last Friday, but they were talking about the NFL and breaking everything down. So we'll hear from Bart and Eric Edholm coming up here in just a second. But just so cool again that Leroy Butler is getting into the Hall of Fame. But the one thing that I need to know is if this really is true.
4: Mac and cheese. This to America. I make the best mac and cheese ever. Okay? Don't even sweat it. Don't even stay out of my mentions. It's all me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I need to try that mac and cheese, Tim. I need to know if that mac oh, and yeah. cheese truly is the best mac and cheese. I need to know. I need to know it. All right, here's Eric Edholm and Bart Winkler from CBS Sports Radio over the weekend.
4: Eric, how are you tonight? I am gearing up for your Packers question, sir. Hope everything's good with you. I'm very good, yes. Uh, yeah, so Packers, my whole thought on this is that Devontae Adams is a massive loss. I think that is on the outside looking in the first thing that's going to come up from anybody around the country. My argument is that the Packers have Aaron Rogers still, and they have enough guys that can not, you're not, this is not a one for one replacement, but I think they have enough guys and they've got an Aaron Rodgers that I think will take more of a mentor and growing role than a, you listen to me one time you make me mad. I won't trust you ever again. Right. I think that with Aaron Jones, coming out of the backfield, maybe more of a Camaro role, Alan Lazard, you know, name their draft guys. I think that they can, they can get to the same result a different way, even without Devante.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the passing totals may be a little bit watered down in some regards. It may have to go to some players, you know, that obviously we didn't, you know, see Robert Tunyon last year. I know he's still on pop. Um, You know, we still haven't seen Christian Watson yet, but Romeo Dubs is off to a good start reportedly. Al Lazard, you know, I, I loved Rogers' uh, little Hall of Fame joke about him and, and Devontae the other day. And, you know, it kind of eased the tension a little bit. But I do think underneath the humor, I think Aaron thinks there's a good player there, you know, that who can maybe not be a traditional number one. But, you know, you think about Tom Brady in New England. He had to do it a different way, when, especially when Gronk was hurt. You know, they didn't always have that Randy Moss receiver or that slot guy you could throw to 150 times a year. So, you know, other great quarterbacks have been able to do it. And I think Rodgers has known this, the, the reality for some time now. So, uh, obviously, you'd love to have all hands on deck, and guys still getting back from injury uh, on offense, including Bakhtiari, but but especially some of the pass catchers, too. But you're right. I, I think Aaron Jones will end up catching a lot of passes for him this year, and they'll find ways to throw the football. This is this is still going to be a dangerous offense in a lot of ways.
4: Packers have uh, the best odds to win the NFC North. It's like minus one sixty, and then the right. Vikings are about plus two sixty. Which, I, I even if the Packers are the favorite, I still think that's kind of. I think it should be more like minus one fifteen, plus one fifty. The Vikings, they have a skill position set that's got to be as good as anybody in the league, and I think you're going to see a more motivated Kirk Cousins here. And if we if we're talking about the Packers and We've seen what motivation can do to Aaron Rodgers. I got a hard time thinking if the Vikings don't win the division, they're at least going to, you know, make the playoffs and possibly be a good contender for double digit wins.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously first year head coach is something you gotta, you know, you gotta think about. I mean, Kevin O'Connell's regarded as, uh, you know, first of all, former quarterback himself, a very bright offensive mind. I remember talking to him prior to his rookie year and, surprised how uh you know mature and sort of precocious he was you could understand why you know he's become a head coach at such a young age but you're right i, I think kirk does have a lot to play for you know his his situation in minnesota i mean questi del Mensa their gm you know I, I don't know if it was a 40 and slip or anything like that but he kind of you know made it be known that they don't necessarily view him right now in that in that brady rogers discussion and I don't think that's a big shock but the fact that a GM went on the record and, you know, backtracked a little later, does show you that they're willing to, to, to wait, but they also don't know what they have exactly. So, you know, defensively for years it was a strong group. It's kind of tailed off. The secondary I think is an issue. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a worry. Uh, but the safeties could end up being really good. I think cornerbacks are a bigger worry. But you're right, that skill position group, cousins boy i mean every year he seems to put up the numbers you know even if there are questions about just how clutch he is or how great he is Uh, you know all that put together if dalvin cook is healthy and they keep those receivers healthy they are a dangerous team i think the offensive line will be better and so yeah i mean it's it's a sneaky good team even if they may have a a ceiling to what they can accomplish
4: we are talking to eric edholm here and if you talk about sneaky good teams you had one in the afc get there in the Bengals, and just staying in the nfc in a second I wonder if that's what we see out of this conference, if a team will have a Bengals-like run. Not that Cincinnati won't be good again this year, but they they weren't predicted to go to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, if you just look at the divisions, I mean, most people will say Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and the Rams to win the divisions. But if there's a team other than that, you know, we've been talking a lot about Kyler Murray this week. Eh, I don't know, man. Arizona's defense is actually pretty good. It could be them, the Vikings, like I said. Is there a non-division favorite winner that can make a big run and have a Super Bowl run in the NFC, or you probably resigned to one of the big four?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, look, I I, I don't know what to make of Dallas this year. I mean, they, obviously they, they they swept the division a year ago, 6-0 and against the East. You know, they won 12 games, but they relied a lot on turnovers. I don't know if that's something that can be repeated. Maybe Philly is the, the sneaky good team in that division, you know, who if Jalen Hurts, really has, you know, his best season to date and the defense makes more plays. I mean, defensively last year, they weren't terrible, but good quarterbacks chewed them up. And that's, you know, that's going to be the difference. So it's Hurts takes the leap. The defense isn't as vulnerable against those great passers. Maybe they're in that mix. Um, you know, people are kind of writing off New Orleans because Sean Payton's gone and they have Jameis, but that's a pretty talented roster. I mean, I don't know. I, I I've gone back and forth. I'm a little ambivalent on them, but – I can see them being a little bit dangerous and, and you're right. I mean, if there's a chance for a surprise team or two, it's probably more likely to be in the NFC. You know, obviously the AFC has the heavyweights, one or two of them might disappoint, but still, I think there's, there's more flexibility for, for it to happen on that side. I don't trust Carson Wentz, but I think at some point Washington has some talent that'll show up and they, they weren't a terrible football team a year ago. Um, you know i'm you know chicago's not there yet detroit might be the, the one on the rise they're certainly better i think that they're going to have a better record than they did a year ago and i think it'll be by you know four or five wins does that does that get them in the playoffs right around that 500 mark maybe but you're right i think there's even with that opportunity there it's hard to sort of id that that one team the, you know San Fran. If, if Trey Lance has a, a really special year, I think could 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 make some waves. But but yeah, it's uh, a little tougher picking that sleeper team this year.
4: Yeah, and that's why you know that's why it is a surprise team because everyone will be surprised by it. I'm just you know looking for yeah because this is a question that's get, it's going to get asked of you a lot. And you know I was asked it a couple of weeks ago. I was on a show and they said who's your surprise team in the NFL? And I not prepared to answer that question. I ended up blurting out the Houston Texans. Uh, I, 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 you look at every team and it seems like you have the confidence. I could tell you within two games, how many games the bills will win or the dolphins yeah. will win or the chargers will win. It doesn't seem like there's that surprise team, which is obviously why they're going to call it a surprise. I think, uh, you know, if there's going to be any team, God, I'm even looking at the AFC West, but everybody expects that to be like the AL East of the NFL Where all these teams will at least be 500, I still would go with the Chiefs. I know they lost Tyreek, but in the same way that I'm going to argue that the Packers can live without Devontae, I think the Chiefs can live without Tyreek Hill. And right now, I'd say them to be the favorite in the AFC West.
1: Yeah, they've got, and it's a loaded division, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, if if the Raiders are, let's say, the fourth best team in in, in the the division, I mean, you could make a case for them winning one or two other divisions around the nfl if they were you know they switch places or something like that so it is tough and and i and i get the hesitancy on the on the chargers given their propensity to do the wrong thing at the wrong you know the, at the wrong time uh they you know it's hard to get you know sort of scrub your brain of the idea of the chargers being a clutch you know being a team that that doesn't choke it away obviously but with with herbert they're going to be you know, I mean, if if they figure that right tackle position out and you know, can can run the ball a little bit, boy, and defensively they're healthy, they could be really, really good. I mean, Lil Mac, Bosa, Derwin James, you know, those those are talents right there in the secondary with J.C. Jackson and, you know, those guys. But I, I get why you're back in the Chiefs. I don't think that one player other than Mahomes can make that big a difference. I think they're still worried about the pass rush, though. So that's the one thing. I mean, you know – they give Frank Clark the deal that I didn't expect them to. And Chris Jones is still great, but you know, they need, they need those other guys to step up George Carlassis, the rookie and, and a few others.
4: All right. So instead of Eric Edholm here, joining us, instead of saying, cause everybody is in first place right now, everybody's and O, it'll be that way for a couple of weeks. Instead of saying uh, who's got the best chance, who's got the best, who's the worst team going to be? I think that, okay. uh, I think it's gonna be the Bears, honestly. I think the Bears win like three games. I don't understand why Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they knew last year was probably their last year, right? <laughs> yeah. They took Justin Fields. How do you not go all in on Justin Fields last year? Because if Justin Fields shows, you know, anything, then Nagy and Pace can say, Hey, Look, we're the guy. We're already attached to him. You don't want to bring in another guy already in Justin Fields. We're right. we're, the, we're developing him. So they they made the pick, which is okay, good. And then they start, what, Andy Dalton for eight weeks. I just don't understand yeah. what they were doing. And I think that as they start to rebuild here, you know, them or, or maybe Seattle, I don't understand how Seattle just, like, they punted at quarterback. They don't care. So one of those two teams, I not high on at all. I, I was gonna pick the Houston Texans just to see what you'd say, but no, I won't do that right <laughs> now. Uh, well, no, I don't. I'm not. I have. I have no Texans take. That's just what came <laughs> out of my mouth. I'm not arguing on behalf of the Texans.
1: I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about the Chicago situation. It was. It was. It was very strange. And and you know, there there was a feeling that that maybe Pace would keep his job. You know, it's not. You know, after all, he wasn't really the one who root up the, the quarterback rotation. Um, I think there was a little bit of a prisoner's dilemma thing going on with, with him and Nagy. I mean, this is my speculation, but, you know, when, when you – when your job's on the line, you get into self-preservation mode or whatever, and it's hard to kind of work within the team vision if you are trying to save your gig and trying to do whatever you can to convince them to keep you around. And It would have taken a lot last year, I think, for them to, to be able to do that. But – yeah, I mean, it was it was strange to hear Nagy say, you know, after Fields had been kind of thrust into the lineup, Dalton got hurt. You know, it was like, oh wow, you know, Justin Fields taking first team reps seemed to really kind of help him after refusing to give him first team reps at all during training camp. Because Nagy, I think, just didn't want the speculation and the endless questions about who the starter is going to be. Look, I'm sorry. That's part of the deal, man. You just, you just give them the same vanilla answer every day. Like, hey, you know, we're 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 stacking practices here. We're gonna see who the best quarterback is. And, you know, we haven't made a decision yet. We'll let you know. That's that's what you gotta do. That's part of the deal. And and I don't know if he was just so afraid. You know, he was he was so bent on naming Dalton the starter, and you know, parrying any kind of questions about about when when Fields was gonna get in there. But it really kind of did hurt his development. If you're constantly working with the twos or, you know, giving them scout team looks and not kind of developing any kind of relationship with Allen Robinson last year and, you know, the receivers who could make a a play for him, it hurt him. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a tough situation right now. First year head coach, first year GM. Didn't have a first round draft pick this past you know draft weren't, you know, had to trade away Mack and let Allen Robinson walk. And, you know, it wasn't like this was a deep roster to begin with. So I hear you. I don't know the division is so daunting that they're going to necessarily go 0-6 against the
4: North, but. Yeah, they do play the Lions twice. I'm with you. The Lions might be a little better, but I don't. They'll be better. I think think everybody thinks the Lions are going to win eight games.
1: Yeah, seven, eight, nine. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, I'd. You know, you go back and watch some of those games. I mean, they lost they lost three games on, like, Lukey. Not Lukey, but, you know, kind of crazy circumstances. So, you say, all right, maybe they don't win all of those. But you start to get the sense that, yeah, there's a limit for sure to what they can do. But I think this is a much more talented team than, than two years ago when, when Brad Holmes took over.
4: It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm more excited for football than I ever have been. I just, it's, it's just, it's it's great. They do a great job of hyping it up for you. And uh, we're a part of that, I guess. Eric, always a good to talk to you and we'll make sure that we're in touch. All right, buddy. Take it easy. See ya. Eric Edholm joining us again. You can find him with NFL media. Got a great piece. We talked about maybe eight or nine teams, but he's broke down all 32 and what to expect. You can find that Eric underscore Edholm on Twitter.
0: So you heard from Bart Winkler and Eric Edholm from... CBS Sports Radio, last Friday. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Ryan Horvath from BetMGM Tonight is going to join the show. Keep it tuned right here at 1250 a.m. The Fan. Again, make sure you keep it tuned here for the Road to Canton show, which comes up tomorrow, 7 a.m., with Bart Winkler. Also, the Wendy's Big Show, Live from Canton, comes up after us this morning. Ryan Horvath comes up next here on the Bart Winkler Show.
3: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
0: 12:50 a.m. the fan I'm Toby Altizer that is Tim Shea. we are live from the Lakeland University studios talking with you guys the day before, Leroy Butler is enshrined in Canton, Ohio, forever in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers and Leroy Butler is Ryan Horvat. Horvy, what's going on, dude?
2: Oh, not too much, Toby. I was actually uh, enjoying the song, to be quite honest. That's my jam right there, reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. You guys got, we got real bumper music now. It's no longer uh, <laughs> cover bands of like Led Zeppelin, like Stairway to Heaven, but not Led Zeppelin performing Stairway to Heaven. It would be like the band Stairway to Heaven performing Stairway to Heaven. I like the bumper music.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it at first. I know we weren't necessarily fans of it. Now it's like, you know, once you work with it a few days, it's like, all right, now we're listening to the same three songs. So it's gotten old pretty quick. But it is
2: what it is. What would be be your theme song? Like, let's say, and Tim, you could chime in, too, if you're even paying attention. You're probably cutting up a podcast or something like that. But (laughs) let's say, Toby, let's say, and I know you're not a fighter, you're a lover, but let's say, this is a great question. You have a big boxing match or UFC fight in the octagon, right? And Mm. you have to come out to one song that's going to get you fired up, hyped up. What what song would you come out to? I'll tell you mine right away. I would come out to... um, The outfield, your love. Oh yeah. He's
1: on a vacation far away. Yeah,
2: because everybody'd be like coming up to like, you know, Tupac or Biggie. Charlie Blackman's uh, walk
0: up song, dude. That's what Charlie Blackman walks up to. Yeah, I love that song. Um I've always thought about this because I always think about it with baseball walk-up songs. I know it sounds I I know it sounds incredibly stupid, but if you listen to the last like twenty seconds, It'd have to be specific, and I'd probably have to repeat it. But the last twenty seconds of "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish, with the bass blaring, and her "I'm the bad guy." I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I'm a huge fan. In fact, I, I wanna. I'm uh, I'm actually going to see her live, so that's a jam. Actually, everything she does is a jam. She probably has one of the most beautiful voices. Her and her brother, they're 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 ridiculous, man. Um, so yeah, I like that. That's a good call right there. I like that. It would either be that or. Uh, ambitions as a Rider from, from Tupac. My other one... That, that, that's one I'd come up with.
0: When get. I talk about baseball walk-off songs, my other one would be Worth It by Fifth Harmony.
2: I don't even know what that is, I don't think. You think you may have actually stumped me. Oh, come that, on, you know that weird. one.
0: Give it to me, baby, I'm worth it. Uh-huh, I'm oh. worth it. Yeah, I
2: like that. There you go, Toby. See, yeah, yeah see, exactly.
0: I, I've got some personality. I know what I'm talking about. I got some things. So you know, I'm not as lame as some people think I am.
2: Kim would probably come out to like winger, or he, he'd come out to like she's only seventeen, or like I bet she's a big <laughs> what? <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> hold on, that hold on.
2: You're not a Death Leopard guy,
0: Orvi. Uh, oh boy. I know exactly what you'd be walking out to. Let's be honest.
4: 12
0: yeah. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> yeah, men on the, well, well. On the <laughs> <bed>. <laughs> Feel the
4: power from the stands. Every woman child, and man.
0: Yeah. But seriously, Warby, how thrilled are you that football's finally back, dude? I mean we can talk about baseball and basketball and all that stuff is great, but football's finally back. The Hall of Fame game yesterday, you got Packers family night tonight preseason for the Packers kicks off next week I mean everything's starting to come together and football's finally back
2: yeah man it was great having even the Hall of Fame game back last night it was great because even though the game stunk I bet the Raiders last week plus two and a half and they closed as two and a half point favorites and that game was never in question so that was awesome um you know with, with those two teams I kind of like both teams going into the season, but I feel like everybody's hyping up the Raiders that I've been talking to lately. I played the Chargers to win that division. I played the Chargers over their win total. That's another really flashy team. Watch Denver end up winning that division and Russell Wilson finally winning the MVP. But um, I thought that, you know, they looked all right under Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, obviously they didn't show a whole lot. and We didn't see Devontae. We didn't see Derek Carr. We didn't really see anybody. I also actually played the Jags over six and a half wins. I just, I really like Doug Peterson with a young quarterback. And if you watch Trevor Lawrence in that week 18, a game against the Colts, like that was a must win game for the Colts. Uh, they got eliminated from the playoffs that day. So Trevor Lawrence balled out in that game. I think he's going to have a big year too. Everybody's been talking about Travis Etienne. I kind of wanted to see him last night since he didn't play all of last year. Um, But, man, I think they could at least win seven games in that division. So, watching those two teams, pretty fun. Having football back, great. Can't wait for family night tonight. I'm going to have to watch it on the computer, unfortunately, because I'll be at work. So, probably try to pay attention a little bit more when I get home than i around midnight. But I'm jacked, man. I'm jacked for the season. Uh, I can't wait to see what the defense looks like. I can't wait till they get some live reps. I think that the defense is going to be top ten. I don't think I've ever said that in my life, not at least since the Super Bowl season with Rodgers, uh, and then offensively, I'm excited to see who steps up as wide receiver number one. I, do, I think Alan Lazard's going to have a really big year. I can't wait to see who becomes that number two guy, just because, you know, even when young guys look good in practice, I try not to get too excited because that puts a lot of pressure on these dudes just to step in right away, you know, and especially the rookies. That's tough to do and earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers. So I think at least for the first couple weeks of the season, Cobb's going to have to play a pretty big role if he could stay healthy, Nobody's talking about Amari Rodgers. I, I was hoping maybe he could have a breakout season as long as they don't have him returning punts or kicks. I'm kind of excited about him. I really liked him out of Clemson. and He was only a rookie last year, so I think there was a lot of overreaction there. Hopefully they get Tunyon healthy. Um, so I'm jacked for the season. I, I'm, I just can't wait to get going. And then college football, man, I'm actually at my limit. I had to uh, actually text my bookie, you know, because I bet, obviously, with BetMGM, the king of sports books. BetMGM tonight. Check out the show tonight, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. But you can only get down a certain dollar amount. So I'm actually trying to get more bets in because I really love Utah this year. Played them over eight and a half wins. I'd play them again over nine wins. Everybody's hyping up USC, rightfully so. But Utah, look what they did to Oregon both times last year. They bring everybody back, including Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, who are both Heisman candidates. So I played them to win the Pac-12 plus 260, them over nine and a half wins. I don't care how chalky it is. I'm playing Alabama to win the SEC. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country. Nick Saban lost in the championship game. He has his best defense ever. And uh, I think they're going to roll in the SEC until they see Georgia. Then we'll see what happens in the SEC title game.
0: And how about your boy Nick Saban saying that last year was a rebuilding year? That's not a rebuilding year. You just didn't win the national championship, so you come back and label it that. You weren't rebuilding.
2: Well, I mean, no, no, no. Okay. But they did have to replace a lot, including – so it's funny because that, that LSU team, right? Like last year, they lost their quarterback. They lost Mac Jones, who was the best rookie quarterback. They lost their two best wide receivers. They lost three starting offensive linemen but it was for the second straight year. They have to rebuild every year because every yeah, exactly. year they're putting pros into the league. Well, yeah, exactly, man. And now, I mean, Bryce Young, I didn't even realize this. Bryce, Bryce Young was their um, highest star recruit ever, even over, you know, Mac Jones, who broke every record. Um, you know, if you go back over AJ McCarron, but then you start to think about it and you're like, yeah, Alabama's never really been known for their quarterback play. Like growing up, they would run the football, Eddie Lacey, big backs. And, uh, you know, they just really haven't had that the last couple of years, Alabama, like that running game. You know, they've kind of become more of a passing offense. But you know what scares the hell out of me about them this year is they get that kid from Georgia Tech that transferred Jameer Gibbs. Dude, he might end up winning the Heisman this year. I was watching Nick Saban talk about him after the spring game. and He's like, you've got the best speed on this team. He's got the best vision on this team. Um, they have to replace – again, and, and it's going to be the same thing this year. They have to replace their top three wide receivers again this year. But that's what they do at Alabama. I think they're going to be awesome this year. And, you know, you have this little rivalry going on with Texas A&M because they have the number one recruiting class ever in college football. Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher don't like each other a whole lot. And Jimbo beat Saban last year, and now they get him at home. Like, Bama's going to roll down. I've actually bet that game already on the uh, game of the year bets because Saban's motivated. Yeah, a rebuild year, and they go 13-2. and two. Must be nice. <laughs>
0: yeah, it must, must be, be nice man. to be And then,
2: and then last, night, last night, instead of going to bed, uh, I dove into the Badgers and I watched every single game. You know, pretty much condensed the last two nights. And I'm, I want to be excited. The, the good thing for them. So I was reading, you know, Phil Steele's magazine, and he thinks Mertz. What he says is Mertz still has a ton of potential. You know, he expects him to really take off his third full year as a starter. I don't know about all that, man.
0: Yeah, I don't. I can't get over I want
2: to I would to be shocked if we saw Chase Wolf you know, by the end of the season again, or Deacon Hill, and maybe even or Miles Burkett, who I think is the fourth string or fifth string mm-hmm. quarterback. But I'm excited for the run game, man. I mean, they're going to have probably the best backfield, definitely the best backfield in the Big Ten. Uh, definitely top five, top ten in the country. And the good thing is, you know, Merch doesn't have to just dive into one of those crazy non-conference games because there's some really good week one games in college football. And luckily for Wisconsin, they get Illinois State right off the bat. And they're 6-0 straight up against FCS, though. So that should be a victory. Then they get Washington State. Then they get New Mexico State. Then September 24th, at least you got three games under your belt, and then you get Ohio State. The problem is that game's on the road where Wisconsin's 0-5 straight up and against the spread since they upset them back in 2004 when I was in high school. So uh, I don't have faith that they could beat Ohio State. That's the other team. I know they're chalky plays. I I think we're going to get Alabama, Ohio State, in the national title game. Oh, 100%. C.J. Stroud against Bryce Young. But you know who the sneaky teams are? And here's another bet that I play. I know I'm all over the place, but I'm just so excited to talk about all this because <laughs> on my show I have people talking over me nonstop. Miami to win the ACC, it's going to sound crazy. If you could find it, it's plus 650. And the reason I like this bet, I've been trying to explain this to people, but they can't comprehend. So Miami's really good this year. Um, well, we I, I think Miami – we always do this with Miami, you know, the use back, the turnover chain, well, all that nonsense is finally done there because, um, you know, they change coaching staff and they bring in Mario Cristobal who went to college at Miami. That's where he's from. He played on the offensive line there. So look what he did at Oregon. Oregon was always known as this flashy team and he brought toughness there in the trenches because he's a former offensive lineman. Now, you know, he's got a solid offensive line to work with. He goes back there. He becomes the head coach. They have three starters back, I believe, on the offensive line, 137 career starts. Tyler Van Dyke is – I won't be shocked. I know everybody's talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. The thing with Bryce Young, um, he's small, man. He's really Very small, small and he's really skinny. You know, he's not like a little bulldog like Tyler Murray. When he gets hit, it's like a video game. He goes it reminds flying, like, me
0: – when I see him standing back there, maybe it's the number nine too, but it reminds me of looking like Drew Brees back there.
2: Yeah, he does, man. But th- and that's what he is, though. He's like the point guard. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He's a distributor. I really do like him. I love CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, the only knock on him was last year. When he misses guys, he misses guys high. But so did Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Look at that national title game where he was terrible a couple years back. But I like um Tyler Van Dyke a little bit, man. Like, oh a little bit. I like Tyler Van Dyke a lot. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty-four pounds. And last year, he started the last nine games of the season because they started King. He was terrible, um, couldn't do anything, and I think he got hurt. Then Van Dyke came in the last nine games, and the first three starts, he only threw, only threw, for like 246 yards per game. Then after that, he just went off. He had 300 yards in his last six games. He threw 325 yards against NC State, who's a really good football team in an upset win. Then he beat Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. He threw 426 yards against them. I didn't even realize that he was the first quarterback at Miami since Bernie Kozar. They have three straight 325 yard games. I figured Ken Dorsey did it with that team that went to the national title game Mm -hmm. with Willis McGahee, but I love Van Dyke. And I won't be shocked if he ends up being the first quarterback taken um, just because of his size, because of his arm strength, if they're able to go 11 and one this season. So their win total is only eight and a half. Last year they won seven games. This is a much better team, with a much better coaching staff. So they do have to face Texas A&M early on. Then they get Clemson on the road out of the Atlantic, but they get games against Pittsburgh, North Carolina at home. I think they win double digit games, so I like them over eight and a half wins. But my favorite bet, even though I think Clemson's going to be great this year, is Miami to win the ACC because it was plus six hundred. Now it's down to plus 500 because I think people realize the hedging opportunity. You could take Miami to win the ACC. They're going to win the Coastal. Like, I don't even know who the biggest threat to Miami in the Coastal is. Like, look at the teams that they get to beat up on, you know, this year. Clemson's on the other side with NC State and Wake Forest. Those are the three best teams in the ACC. They're all in the Atlantic. In the Central – I'm sorry, in the Coastal, you got Miami. You have Pittsburgh, who has to replace Kenny Pickett, their offensive coordinator Mark Whipple. And they lose Jordan Addison, who's the best wide receiver in the country to USC. So who else scares you? North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Georgia wow. Tech's going to be the worst team in college football. And then you have Duke, who should not have a football team. So you take <laughs> Miami plus 600 because they're going to come out of the coastal, meaning they're going to play Clemson in the ACC title game. So... If they live up to the hype, Van Dyke's great, Clemson has crappy quarterback play once again, and they pull off that upset, you have a plus 600 ticket. And the best part about it is if you put $100 on Miami to win the ACC, you know what you could do in the ACC championship game is a hedging opportunity. Put $150 on Clemson because they're only going to be a four-point favorite to four-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral field, or you could just take the money line. So you get your $100 back if you don't believe in Miami, or you just let it ride out. And you make 600 bucks. So that's one of my favorite bets, man. I think Miami's going to be really solid this year. And Clemson was awful last year. They were yeah, not and a good I don't, football team. I don't this, think, I they're think they're going to be good this again year, this
0: year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe want, in Uwe young Because, like, he, last year he was awful. You know, we saw glimpses of him when Trevor Lawrence missed games. And you're like, oh, this guy might be good. So, you know, Clemson fans were excited. And then Clemson was just atrocious last year. And for them to come back in here and – be the favorites in the ACC? Like, why do I believe that they're going to win when they had awful quarterback play last year and they got the same and that's
2: guy? The thing. So, and I don't want to see DJ.
0: I, I mean, I do, so DJ
2: apparently, like, he lost a bunch of weight. We got to remember he was young. We overhyped him a little bit because of the game against Notre Dame, a game that they lost. I mean, Notre Dame mm-hmm. beat Clemson in overtime. One of the best days of my life. But <laughs> I want to see their true freshman that they brought in Uh, Cade Klubnick. So he's the number one quarterback recruit. I was watching this interview with Dabo. He calls him Big Stinko. He said that he has more arm talent than all of his previous Clemson quarterbacks. So think about that. That includes uh, Deshaun Watson. So, man, I wouldn't be shocked if by week four, he's the starting quarterback and it's a Trevor Lawrence type situation. Like pretty much Dabo said he's better than Trevor Lawrence and he's better than Deshaun Watson. And at one point he called Deshaun Watson the Michael Jordan, of college football. So I think we'll see that kid. Uh, pretty early on even though he's young I, I mean if DJ stinks again I think they'll pull the trigger because Clemson's just too talented man the Shipley kid they have at running back and mm. win the Heisman they have five guys on the defensive line that are going to be first to second round picks they're so tough defensively I just I don't think that they're gonna have two crappy years in a row. So we'll see. But I like Miami a lot and I like Van Dyke a lot as the quarterback. I like him a lot more than Will Levis, who everybody talks about out of Kentucky. Yeah. Because those are the two guys that I could see bumping up, you know, even though everybody's talking about Bama's quarterback and Ohio State's quarterback.
0: Well and and speaking of quarterbacks, we gotta talk about your guy. How much of that Aubrey oh, yeah. Marcus podcast did you listen to? Did you listen to the whole thing?
2: Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. I listened to the entire thing. Some of it was a little weird. Some of it felt a little. <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I was into it, man. I kind of thought, I thought it was pretty cool. Hey, whatever it takes to win back-to-back MVPs. Well, and- I liked the I liked the beginning of it when Rodgers is going through the process and he's talking about, yes. even though we already knew the story where he goes back, he watches the film, he changes his fundamentals around a little bit his mechanics. We already knew about that, but I still thought it was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I listened to the whole thing. I think we're probably one of just a few Packers fans that went through and listened to that whole thing, but I thought some parts were insightful, and I know it's the Aubrey Marcus podcast, so Aubrey Marcus is the guy. I wish you would have shut up more and just had Aaron talk.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, who is this guy, A, and then I looked into him a little bit, and uh, you know, I... I don't know. I'm kind of into weird stuff like that as well. Like before Joe Rog, like I, I I used to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot. I actually think Joe Rogan is great at his job. I know maybe that's not the most popular take. I like him a lot. I love him on the UFC broadcast. When I order a pay per view, or I'm watching a UFC card and Joe Rogan isn't on the call, I just get angry right away. And that's you know no knock to any of the other guys. But I just think he's really good. And I don't you know everybody gets so angry about everything like. Rogers seems really happy. Um, he seems like he's in a good space. He's the best player in all of football. And whatever it takes for him to get over the hump in the playoffs, if it's DMT or hallucinogens, whatever floats his boat, man. Seriously. Well, and that's the crazy thing
0: for me is, like, you see all these talk shows these last couple days. Who's going to hold Rodgers accountable for all this? What did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. He's not doing anything. So, what are you right, t- talking right. about? Hold him accountable for what? for being a dude that's interested in whatever he's interested in? Like, who cares?
2: Yeah, I don't I, – I mean, exactly. I don't really care. As long as, you know, he's 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 ready to play once week one comes because he's going to have to be the best version of himself this year because he is not going to have Devontae Adams to lean on, to rely on for 13 to 14 targets, especially those first couple of weeks of the season. So that's what I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see it. I know Rodgers, they haven't lost a game in three years without Devontae, but that's a short sample size. And I just can't wait to see how creative Matt LaFleur is going to get with the playbook because he's not going to be able to be lazy with it, obviously, um, you know, especially those first couple of weeks of the season. And right off the bat, you get Minnesota on the road. That game, that game scares me a little bit. What are your thoughts really quickly on that game? Like, who, who do you like? Let's say uh, the Packers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm not even talking betting. Are you confident that Green Bay is going to go into Minnesota? Because, man, they scare me. You got a motivated Zadarius Smith, who I've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of film on him. Um, I mean, a lot of it, you know, being obviously at OTAs and at training camp. But, man, he looks like he's slimmed down. He looks in great shape. And then uh, they scare me offensively, even though it's Kirk Cousins, man, who you know really well, obviously. But Justin Jefferson could be the best receiver in the league after this year. Adam Phelan's healthy. Delvin Cook, even though after initial contact, You know, he doesn't do a whole lot. He's still really good. They scare me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that that game is a little bit scary. And I know that Kirk Cousins is this inflammatory guy where it's like, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. He's not that good. But last year, 33 touchdowns, only seven picks. He was pretty good last season. And now you bring in a guy that actually wants to work with him in Kevin O'Connell, get rid of Mike Zimmer. So maybe the Packers will be able to exploit their defense a little bit. I'm not sure about that but you're going to have a potent offense cuz Kirk and KOC have worked together before. You got Justin Jefferson who continues to get better. Dalvin Cook should be healthy for a week 1 game, so you're going to have a healthy Dalvin Cook. So it does scare me a little bit, but at the same time like how do I go about combating that? Like am I going to go in there and play my starters during the preseason if I'm Matt LaFleur? I I don't think you should. So then I'm like, you know, if they go in there, they lose again. In week one, hopefully not in the same fashion they did last year. But if they were to lose to the Vikings, yes, it's a divisional opponent, so it counts a little bit more. But are the Vikings going to be able to win 12 and 13 games if the Packers can do what they've done the last couple of seasons? I I kind of think no. And then you look at it and say, okay, then they got the Bears in week two. All right, so at worst, what am I one and one in the division after two weeks? I'd take that. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm worried about the game. I think the Packers could lose week one but it doesn't worry me at all for, like, the overall look outlook of the season.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a couple things that scare me a little bit, and then there's a couple things that make me feel pretty good. Things that scare me, so some dumb things. Like, um, last year they finished with 13 wins, which I think they had their win total at, like, 10 and a half. But if you look at it, man, a lot of those games, like, they went 5-1 and one in games that were decided by a field goal or less. That's tough to do. You don't always win those games. Like, go back to that game against San Francisco early mm-hmm. on in the season where Aaron Rodgers falls back in love with football. You remember the quote? They easily could have won. They could lose those games, you know. But if, when you're 5 and 1 in games that are decided by three points or less and you have the third best turnover margin, you could see some regression. That scares me a little bit. I mean, you love, obviously, the fact that they have Matt LaFleur as their head coach because he's won 13 games in all three seasons. But so they're gonna have the coaching advantage early on in the year because you're taking on Minnesota, who I like Kevin O'Connell as a play caller, but we don't know what he is as a head coach. It's just gonna be interesting, like I said, what they're gonna do offensively. Because like go back to that Arizona game. You know, in that Arizona game, that was Rodgers found a way to get that get the job done without Devontae Adams. But like look at the weapons that they had to had to use in that game. And look look like he threw the ball. I was looking at this the other day because um, Warren Sharp had it in his new book, and I thought it was excellent, but he kind of talked about what the offense was going to look like without Devonte Adams, and he went back and pointed out that Arizona game, so I went back and watched it, and they win that game that's the game where uh Kyler Murray throws the ball to everybody remembers a j Green and he just completely gives up on the play, <laughs> never turns around and, and Green Bay ends up winning i didn 't realize that's also the game where Kyler Murray gets injured, and then he 's not the same player the rest of the season, but like Look what Rodgers had to do in that game, man. You know he was using all these random dudes. He wasn't really pushing the ball down the field. Well, they had to rely on Aaron Jones. That wasn't was that a uh,
0: wasn't that a short week with no Devontae And the Cardinals were undefeated.
2: Yeah, and they still ended up winning Holy that smokes. game. But just look how they had like look how they had to do it. And Matt Lafleur was creative as hell in that game. I just think there's going to have to probably we're going to see a lot of like pre snap motion like we always do. I think. Man, I thought like uh, Aaron Jones was going to be on pace for like 60, 70 grabs this year. But everything I'm seeing, A.J. Dillon is, is going to well, catch and, a lot of balls, it looks like, too.
0: I, I've mentioned this to Leroy because we were talking about the running back usage, and my 1A is still going to be Aaron Jones. There's no question because I think he's a top-five back in the NFL. When you get him the football enough, he would prove to be a top-five back in the NFL, maybe even top three. But A.J. Dillon... I would use him almost as the primary runner of the football because if you run that dude 15, 20 times, that defense is not going to be able to stop him all game long. And I'll use Aaron Jones in other ways. I'll still hand him the ball, you know, 8, 10 times out of the backfield, but I'm throwing in the ball five times a game, whether he's coming out of the backfield, he's motioning out to the slot, he's just straight up lining up outside. I want to get him the ball in space and use his ability in space more, whereas I can use A.J. Dillon up in between the tackles and just demoralize the defense with him running up the middle, especially when it gets cold outside.
2: Oh, yeah, man. And my favorite bet right now, even though he's going to be used as a pass catcher out of the backfield, that was like the knock on him, remember, coming out of Boston Mm -hmm. College. It wasn't that he couldn't catch the football. It's that Boston College didn't have a quarterback, so they never threw the football because they had A.J. Dillon, so they would just pound him all game long. Uh, my favorite bet is A.J. Dillon over five and a half touchdowns this season, minus 120. If he doesn't have six touchdowns going into week eight, Matt LaFleur shouldn't call plays anymore. But, man, like, if you go back really quickly, so if you go back, like you said, so it was a short week that game against Arizona because I went back and watched the game because I'm just trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like because I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous without Devontae Adams. And even though MVS has the drops in camp, it looks like for the Chiefs, I think they'll miss him stretching the field as well. So at the time, Arizona's undefeated, they were pretty big favorites because they opened up as like a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. But then after COVID hits and they lose Devontae, they also lost Alan Lazard. Remember, he was either a close contact or he had COVID. And then they lost MVS as well. So they ended up being a seven-point dog in that game, the Packers were. Like one of the biggest underdogs Aaron Rodgers has ever been in his career. So they have no Devontae. They have no Alan Lazard, who obviously they'll have this year. And then they don't have MVS in that game. Rogers threw the ball 37 times, and it was only for 184 yards. That was the first and only time in his 17-year career that he attempted over 35 passes for less than 185 yards. In that game, Aaron Jones had 11 targets. The player with the second-most catches in that game, Jawan Winfrey, mm-hmm. who, is he going to be on this roster? He had never seen a target in the NFL, and that was his third season with the Packers, and he ends up with the second-most grabs. And the Packers end up winning that game because they were so good defensively. But Rodgers threw the ball 37 times for only 184 yards, man. That's, that's good in a short sample size. I just don't know if you're winning 13, 14 games with that when, on the other side, Minnesota's got, you know, Adam Nealon and Justin Jefferson. So, I want to see what LaFleur does with the playbook. But also, somebody's going to have to step up. Who's your pick to click this year at the wide receiver position?
0: Well, I, honestly, I, I'm not a big Lazard guy. Never have been, and I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm just not. I think it might be the dude that you keep seeing reports of all throughout training camp. Romeo Dobbs keeps showing out, and even Rodgers is now talking about the fact that it's not the fact that he's just out there being consistent. It's every single day there's a wow play from him, and it just seems like he could be the most NFL-ready out of all these guys and step in right away. And, you know, we've talked about it. Lazard might be the number one receiver just because that's his de facto title, but he might not have necessarily earned it. There's just no one else to have it. I think Dobbs could step in and be that number two right away because he's earned it and then maybe start pushing Lazard to be that number one guy on the outside. I mean, there's so much opportunity that there's no wrong answer. You could pick even the lowest dude on the depth chart. You could pick... Jawan Winfrey, who knows? Maybe he steps up and gets out on the field. Samari Torre, some, one of these guys, who knows? I mean, at this point, you, you take your pick, and we can disagree on it, but they have just as good a chance as just about everybody else.
2: No, I agree, man, and, and that's the thing. I don't want to put too much pressure on these young guys, though, because I do think he's going to be a great player. I think he'll probably end up, well, I'm really high on Christian Watson. We just got also to get him on the field. He's injured. right now. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, I like the two kids. It's just the kids. They're rookies. And yeah. You know, even even Justin Jefferson that first year, those first couple of weeks, man, by default almost they they had to rely on Adam Thielen. You know, even the uh, you know what the what Jamar Chase did right away. Remember when everybody was worried mm-hmm. about Jamar Chase? He couldn't catch a football. He, you know, talked... <laughs> yeah, and then week one, Joe Burrow was like, hey, thought he couldn't catch the football, and he caught two bombs for touchdowns. So hopefully, yeah, these kids could just plug and play and step right in, but. Man, it would, I would kill for, like, an Odell Beckham Jr. to be healthy by, like, week eight, decide he wants to come to Green Bay. I would kill for, what are the Texans doing, man? Like, wh- I why, no why do idea. they need Brandon Cooks? Why do they need Brandon
0: Right. Cook? We'll take Brandon Cooks. Send him over we'll here, here for underrated. a pick. Hey, we've got a tweet here from Pete. He says, I'm convinced that the only reason you guys have Horvat on is so you guys can sit back and let him ramble on in order to kill time on the show. I mean, Pete, come on. Probably. That was pretty obvious, probably, right? <laughs> probably, yeah, probably a great point from Pete. Here, real quick, let's get in Tony in Texas here. Tony, what's going on, dude? Hey, hey, Horvat, I won't text you before 11 a.m. Hey, Horvat, uh, don't forget that Robert Tunyon blew out blew out his ACL that game, too, against the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I forgot. That was the game. That was the game. That uh, that one happened. Oh, man. Yeah, you know what? He's When is Tanyan going to be ready? Is he really going to be
0: ready for week one? I'm no, he's right no. Now. He's starting on pop.
2: Yeah, but when he, – so, he, so what are we looking at? Week four, week five?
0: Yeah, October, somewhere around there. I heard October. I heard October, Horvath. Hey, Horvey, three quick things I got I to got, uh, go, go run through you here quick. The offensive line, how concerned are you going into week one with that, going against the Vikings? Number two, the pass-run ratio. Last year we were 50, 57% pass. 43% run. Do you think that's going to lower a little bit? And then what are you looking at in preseason this year? I'm looking at Jordan Love, seeing how he develops. And that's all I got. Yeah, I'll listen I on like the this. other side. Tony, appreciate Thanks. it, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Harvey. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, the
2: offensive line, see, the offensive line obviously concerns me when you don't have two all pros and Ellen Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, and we got guys that look like created man- Madden players when it's like year 80 your franchise, <laughs> and you have to draft Zach Tom, Tom Zach, Zach Tom. What so I do like, though, man, here's the thing. While the offensive line, while I'm a little concerned, you know, they'll have some time to work together in the preseason, which is nice. You could try, try different combinations. Yash always scares the hell out of me as well, especially uh, last year in the playoffs. But, um, and I know Adam is not he now, you know, bumps up his job title. But what they've been able to do with that offensive line the last couple of years with all these injuries, like I thought they were screwed without Bakhtiari, and they kind of were against Tampa Bay. The pass rush was ridiculous. So I'm concerned, man, but I do think guys will step up and I don't think it'll be an issue come week four or week five. I just, I think there might be some growing pains early on. Probably my biggest concern with this team. Even my bigger concern, I'm I'm more concerned about the offensive line than the wide receiver room. See, I'm more, I'm, more no, I'm more
0: concerned, concerned about the receivers. I'm more concerned about the, the receivers because I look at that line and I think the interior should be fine. And then I think that one tackle, see, I know you're worried about Najman, I I'm okay with him. He's nothing special. He's not any top 10, but I think he gives you average production at tackle. So I've got four. I think I'm all right there. I could probably find one guy for the other tackle position. Yes, it's, it's a question mark, but then I look at the receiver room. And there's just so many question marks. I don't even know. I know what Lazard's going to give me, but I I can't even say that Randall Cobb's a guarantee at this point. So I've got one guarantee as opposed to, I think I'm pretty solid with three out of five on that offensive line.
2: Yeah. I mean, they'll figure it out. Uh, As far as the, the past, you know, rush rate. I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball 57% of the time and only run the ball 43% of the time. But who knows? Because Rogers is a madman. He clearly wanted to win MVP the second half of the season last year. How many times were they in the red zone on the goal line? And he would change the play or at least we think, you know, call an audible and want to throw the football because he was looking to put on a show. He wanted to win that back-to-back MVP. So I do still think they're going to look to throw the ball, but I think they're going to look to run the ball a lot more, especially with AJ Dillon, you know, especially now, Right off to start of the season. You don't have to wait just for those cold weather games at Lambeau Field to give him 15, 20 carries. I'd like to see them pretty much split carry And I also want to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field a lot together um, this season. So I do think they'll run the ball a lot more. And uh, what was the final question? I can't remember. What did Tony have on that last? Oh, yeah. Jordan I, Love. Preseason, I can't. I also can't wait to watch Jordan Love because all the reviews and
0: yeah, they've been everything about a vampire,
2: he looks like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so. Now that Rogers is here, at least for another year, I'm all I'm all aboard the Jordan Love train, man. Like if Jordan Love's going to be the starting quarterback in two years, I'm all for it. Let's develop him. I just kind of feel bad, I don't know that he's going to want to sit back. If he's ready for the NFL, he's not going to want to sit and hold a clipboard behind Aaron Rodgers for the next year or two. Whenever Rogers decides to hang yeah.
1: it up, real so, real
2: quick, Orby, you know, maybe he ends up being a, maybe he ends up being a trade piece for a guy like Tyler Lockett. Maybe Seattle will have some interest. That would Re- be awesome. I'd, I'd do anything for Tyler Lockett.
0: I agree. I I think that's something they should consider, but I don't think they will. Real quick, Leroy Butler goes into the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, he should have went in uh, years ago. He should have been in last year. He should have been in over John Lynch. But no, one of the greatest players of all time on the defensive side of the ball. Literally changed the way, I've said this multiple times, changed the way the safety position is played and viewed. He was uh, awesome, man. He could get after the quarterback. He was solid in coverage. I mean, the, the story, the, the Denver Broncos story where they lose in the Super Bowl, but they pretty much have the game plan just to take him out of the game. Um, this shows how great of a player he was. So congratulations to Leroy. It was awesome to see on television last night. I had to watch it when I came home because I had to watch it. on. Uh, it was on, The TV was on mute at work, but, man, awesome. Awesome to finally see him, and it's awesome that Bart got to go. Yep, yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Horvey, appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Have a good day.
0: You heard from Ryan Horvath from Bet MGM tonight. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Great Midwest Bank, if applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Keep it tuned right here to 1250 AM. The Fan, the Wendy's Big Show comes up next with Bart Winkler and Gary Ellerson live from Canton, Ohio.